Hi, this is Jim. I'm back for a new segment, and I want to share with the, share some information. I uh, took I uh, decided that we wanted to we needed a meeting for the gay community in here in our area because um, obviously we have some very um, deep dark secrets that we don't want to share to twenty to thirty people or more or less. So I thought I'd start a um, an NA community or an NA meeting for that, and I did. And um, uh, hasn't been much. Many people show yet, so that's okay. But it's it's going to happen. Um, but what I want to do is I want to talk about one of the cornerstones of that NA program, and that is the twelve steps. And what I'd like to do is dedicate an episode to each step as we go along here. And I'm going to be a little more diligent in posting these, so. Um, it can be more helpful to anyone if they need it. Um, the st- step one of the um, NA guide or NI steps is to admit we are powerless over our addiction and our lives have become unmanageable. Well, let's talk about that. For me personally, I did not realize. I was in an addiction until I was pulled out of it and pulled out of the environment and then looked back on it and thought to myself, how did I ever let myself go there? Don't pay no mind to the dog. Um, I um, hadn't shaved for three weeks. I was... I, I'd lost 45 pounds. Um, I, we were living on Pop-Tarts and coffee. Uh, it was just it was just a really bad situation. Uh, and in the end, when we couldn't get anything, I was taking somebody else's methadone just not to be dope sick. Um, I, th- I think probably that classifies this life as unmanageable. <laughs> it was it was just but it all happened in a matter of three months and, it, and, and you you don't know what's gonna happen and you you hindsight's always 2020 yes, but when you see <laughs> when you uh, go, down this path or go down the rabbit hole as I like to call it and you don't realize it because you're having a hell of a good time um, and you're getting high and you're going and buying drugs and you're going and having you know have, enjoying the lifestyle which is exciting um, dangerous um, it's everything maybe you haven't had before so it's just like uh, it's just like a Christmas present you know and then on top of it off you get the high from the drugs well yeah the bottom line is when the money runs out and you're dope sick and you're unhappy and you don't know what you're going to do I believe that classifies as your life has become unmanageable and when you look at your bank account and you're in the negative a significant amount and you've taken money from your family without their knowledge. Oh my God, these dogs. Take money from your family without, these, without their knowledge. And you've done about every nasty thing you can think of. Because what's running us now, what's, what's pushing us now to... Um, is our addiction. And, and what it wants us to do is to go get more. 
is to find ways to get more. Uh, and it's, you know, the ways and means to do that, it is uh, uh, searching for it. It is waking up and not feeling dope sick. So you, or, I mean, feeling dope sick so you can go and get something to get you to tide you over until you're, you've got more money, you know. But that money never comes. And the idea, <laughs> you, hatch, you can hatch these impossible plans and schemes on how things are going to work and how things are going to play out and how it's going to be beneficial to you and you're going to get money and, and you're going to go buy drugs and it just never works. Addiction is running your life. Addiction ran mine. I <laughs> I woke up on Easter Sunday, dope sick. I didn't know it was Easter. Uh, the two people that were living with me were also dope sick. I mean, badly. And um, it just, it's just a bad situation. And um, I didn't know what to do. Day before, uh, there was a little um, power struggle. And I got knocked into a corner. And um, it um, it kind of opened my eyes to what was going on. So um, when <clears throat> one of the couple got up and went and sold the TV for twenty dollars, twenty bucks for the TV for a hit. Now, mind you, this wasn't the first time he'd done this. This had been done. Three times with a television and one with an iPad. And <clears throat> it was just, that was it. That was it for me. Um, I grabbed my laptop, I grabbed some clothes, and I left. I locked the door and I left. And the other part of the, of the couple that was staying with me said, Can I at least get my meds? I said, Sure, go, go. Now, go. And she got him, and I locked the door and I left. And I got in the car, and it was on E. Had no money. I had nothing. Nothing. Everything had been spent in this pursuit. So I went to my office. That was the only thing I could think I could do. While I was at my office, my phone rang. Four times. And it was him wanting me to come get him so that... Uh, so that he could go buy drugs, well, take him over to, to uh, the bottoms to buy, buy buy drugs, and I was like, I didn't answer the phone. Did not answer the phone. Um, instead, I called some very dear friends, and I said, I want to come home. I don't have any gas, and I don't have any money for gas. And that friend of mine, who saved my life, said, I'm on my way. And he did. He came and got me. He put gas in my car. He bought me a pack of cigarettes because I was going through nicotine withdrawal too. And he followed me to his house where I stayed that night. Now his wife met me at the door and said, you're, gonna go, you're going through withdrawals. It's bad. And I was. It was not good. And she said, I can't get you what you need. But I can get you drunk. 
she did. I believe a whole bottle of Crown over ice was the uh, ticket to knock me out. And um, I woke up the next morning on their couch. Fuzzy headed, you know, you know how you get. And um, I woke up to her setting a cup of coffee down on the, on the coffee table by the couch. So I opened my eyes and I, I got up and <clears throat> I said, oh my God, I'm so sorry I passed out. And she said, that was the plan. You needed to pass out. I said, okay. And she sat down on the chair across from me and she said, so, what are you going to do now? Hmm. What are you going to do now? I immediately started crying. Just sobbing. And I said, I can't live like this anymore. I can't do this. This is, this is over. I'm done. And she said, good, because I've made some phone calls. And by 5 o'clock that evening, I was in Worthington, Ohio, in detox and rehab. Those people saved my life. Because if I had stayed, I would either be dead by drugs or by the people that were living with me. It was that simple. My life had become power, my life had become unmanageable. My life was chaos, and addiction had taken control. And it can happen so quickly that you don't even realize it until you're deep, deep, deep down the rabbit hole. It, it it's horrible. And I would not wish it on my worst enemy. Detox was bad. I laid on my bed and cried for three days, kicking the fentanyl out of my system. And then <sighs> cried for another three days because of the situation that I put myself in. And who I thought cared for me didn't care for me and, and what I was going to do next. And, and it was pretty, pretty simple what I was going to do next because they said, you're not going anywhere. You're going to stay. Because in my head, I had a plan. I had a plan. I was going to get detoxed. I was going to go and get him and get him detoxed. We were going to go rehab together, and we were going to just run off into the sunset. What a wonderful plan that was. It did not work out that way. Not at all. Um, so at the end of the seven days, I, I said, okay, I need to get a, make a call to get a ride. And um, they said, why? I said, because I'm not staying. I, I was here for detox. I'm good. I'm going to go. Let's call your people. <laughs> the nurse said. Um, and I love her dearly. Her name's Missy, and she was, she was wonderful for me. Uh, There's a bunch of kids in detox. Then there was this old guy, me. And uh, she just, she was wonderful. Um. Yeah. Now, in, in the very beginning, when I when I got there, um, my oldest son, who hadn't we hadn't really been talking, um, met me there, 
met me there at the at the clinic or at the facility and uh, he said I'll take care of all your bills for you while you're in so I gave him all my stuff I gave him my passwords and sign-ons and all that crap and he did and I believe it was the start of a new relationship for us um, because uh, that that picked the ice of because it was very difficult leaving um, leaving your mom and um, now mind you my boys were in their, their 20s so it was um, it was just I don't know it was handled wrong on both sides we'll just leave it at that and they were angry with me and they weren't talking to me but then this came up someday I'll tell the story of how CJ found me <laughs> or CJ you know my son found me and uh, it's interesting um but what my point is here today is this. If you are living on Pop-Tarts and coffee, because that's all you have the money for, or that's what you can steal in your pockets, if you have a negative balance in your checking account and you're still figuring a way out to get more dope, if you... If you were living in a box on the side of the road or in a house, an abandoned house with no power and no water, if you, if you were living in any of these situations, it's because of dope. Dope has put you there. I heard a great saying the other day. Um, yeah. Hate the addiction, not the addict. To some extent, yes. Not sometimes we have to take ownership of the things that we have done, and understand that there are some things that we have done that are just plain awful and nasty to the people we love, our family. Um, dark, dark things that we've done um, to total strangers to get money. Your life has become unmanageable. It's time to think about detox and rehab. I'm just throwing that out there because you know what? I hope that somebody out there listens to this and gets it and said, wow, he's right. Maybe it is time. Because if this podcast um, can save one person... I will do it every week for the rest of my life. When we lose an addict to an overdose, we have failed that addict. And it's our job now. It's our job to go go find those addicts and help them. You can't make them because they have to make the decision. And they have to hit the rock bottom. They have to hit their rock bottom. There are people that are in treatment with me right now that have not hit their rock bottom yet. So they argue the fact. You know, do I really need to be here? Do I really need to do this? Yes, you obviously do. Well, that's a lot of information. That's a lot of information about me. So, <laughs> um, And you're going to get more of it. More information about me and more about my life and... 
more of what I've done to get sober or what I've done to get clean uh, and the missteps along the way. Let me just say that um, thank you for listening to the podcast. And if no one's told you today they love you, I love you. And um, have a great day.